Welcome back to our special four-part series dedicated to search and rescue. If you missed our last episode, you're gonna wanna go back and start there. In the world of backcountry search and rescue, there are some environments that require proficiency beyond the standard tactics. Yosemite Valley, where rock climbers come to test their mettle against the park's towering granite walls, is one of those places. Rescues in the vertical realm require not only stamina and top-tier climbing skills, but knowledge of rope work, first aid, and a calm demeanor to help someone in need while dangling thousands of feet in the air. Yosemite Search and Rescue, or YOSAR as it's known, is home to some of the most experienced rescue professionals and volunteers in the country. For many search and rescue workers, operating in Yosemite is a career-long goal. It's because the men and women who make up Yosar are superstars of technical rescues. And for those who require their help, that's an awfully good thing. And one of those people was Tim Watts. I made a decision to survive. When you're in that survival mode. The, the idea of dying wasn't in my head. I knew immediately it was the worst case scenario. I was in a fight for my life situation. Whenever you walk out on these trails, you're in their house. I'm Louisa Albanese, and you're listening to Out Alive by Backpacker. In each episode of this podcast, we'll bring you real stories of real people who survived the unsurvivable. I saw the rope zip through the rappel ring, and I couldn't do anything. Learn what went wrong, what went right, and how you can escape if the worst case scenario happens to you. There is no way we would find anybody alive. Tim Watts. I'm 37 and I live in Boulder, Colorado. So I was in Yosemite. I was there to go rock climbing. I was with my buddy Trevor, my climbing partner and friend. That was this like the second climbing day of our trip. So we were just doing easier stuff for us. Yeah, it was a pretty normal day. Had breakfast and coffee and moseyed up on the trail to the base of the wall. I, I definitely remember complaining about I was tired. Tim remembers not sleeping great and being awake for a long stretch of the night, but felt like he'd climbed in worse shape and the route they planned didn't feel ambitious based on his experience, so they went for it. And so I think I was like, oh, I'll just push through and suck it up and go climbing and have a great day. And it was our first multi-pitch route of the trip. I think that was like, a, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to go climb some easy hand cracks and just have a great day and get up off the ground and but keep it pretty mellow at the same time. The route Tim and Trevor were doing is called the East Buttress of Middle Cathedral. It's a classic rock climb known for its striking features and incredible views. It's roughly about a 1,200-foot climb. We were... Basically at the top, so at the top of that route of the East Buttress of Middle, you can either do two things. You either take, I think it's two pitches up to the top, but then you have to walk down, and I hear it's pretty heinous, like it's pretty much a chossy goalie. Or you can take a hard left, like you, you traverse two wrap anchors, and that's where my accident happened. Tim has no memory of what happened next, but he's heard the story many times from Trevor. 
The pair had essentially completed the climb and all that was left was to rappel down. He was tied into his rope, making his way on lead to a set of permanent anchors where they planned to set up a rappel and descend. Tim was moving sideways along a ledge the width of a sidewalk. The climbing itself for that section wasn't that challenging. So I guess in the middle of this kind of catwalk, I said to Trevor, hey man, I'm not feeling well. I think I see stars, something to that. I don't know if that was it verbatim, but he was like, okay, he couldn't really do a lot. Like I'm in the middle of leading this pitch and the rap anchors was like right there. So no big deal. So I kept walking along this ledge and then right where you basically just reach out and clip the rap anchor, I crouched down facing the wall. And I guess I said, man, I'm not feeling good. I don't, I really don't feel good. Something like that. And then about 10 seconds later, I just straight up fainted uh, and fell backwards, headfirst into the abyss, basically. Tim had been about 15 feet higher and to the left of Trevor, which meant there was about 30 feet of slack in the rope. So I fell and Trevor told me that I hit. The first time I impacted the wall was around like 20 feet. And then I bounced and swung out and then came back into the wall. I was like totally unconscious and scorpioned on the end of the rope. I started convulsing, he said, for like maybe 10 to 15 seconds. And then I didn't move for like at least a minute, maybe two around there. Trevor thought I might be dead. That was obviously, I'm sure, terrifying for my friend because I wasn't moving. I wasn't, you know, responsive. So he started installing like a hall system to get my body back up to him as quickly as possible. And uh, while he was doing that, I, I woke up and I came back like groaning and just like coming back to life. And then I started climbing back up to Trevor. So that was like a big relief. Like A, I was alive and B, like he didn't have to haul my, my dead sack of potatoes weight. And then, so I got back to the belay and, and Trevor did like a first aid check on me and made sure I wasn't, to, to the best of his knowledge, bleeding to death or had any broken bones. I was cut up really badly on my arm and scraped my knee really well. I like cut the tip of my nose open and scraped the, my face. But from his point of view, like I was okay, but I was definitely concussed. I kept asking, where are we? What route are we climbing? And how far did I fall? Like he said hundreds of times for the next three hours, basically. Trevor just kept me talking and <laughs> exercised extreme patience with my repeated questions. Even though Tim was conscious, responding to questions, and even able to climb, Trevor was worried about his cognitive state. To this day, Tim has no memory of the fall or rescue. The last thing I remember was the middle of the route. After Trevor was able to do an initial check of Tim's injuries, he called 911. And yeah, they, the whole rescue machine got put into action. So we hung out at the wall, the party behind us arrived and those guys hung out with us. And I'm sure it was like a huge sense of relief just to have another team there, another group of people. And then Yosar arrived roughly three hours after the call for rescue. The east buttress of Middle Cathedral in Yosemite takes most experienced climbers an average of six to eight hours. The team that arrived to help Tim and Trevor were able to reach them so quickly using a technique called simulclimbing. Simulclimbing, short for simultaneous climbing, is when two climbers go up together connected by a rope. 
They both climb at the same time, placing gear for safety, but unlike regular climbing, they don't keep the rope tight between each piece of gear. They move quickly, with some slack in the rope between them to cover ground faster. The Valley helicopter wasn't operational for whatever reason, so they sent the, a ground team from the bottom. But they would have either drove or biked or whatever to, to the middle cathedral trailhead. I'm sure they were sprinting because those guys are beasts. All of the OSAR team members, all those guys and gals, they just did what professional rescuers do. They came, they assessed the situation. Because the helicopter wasn't operational, they weren't able to take me directly off the wall. It was decided that, that we would repel. That was a feasible way of getting me to the bottom. Apparently, I was I was with it. I was talking, and, and obviously, I was attached to one of the rescuers the entire time, right? They, I was okay, but not at all <laughs> heavily concussed. We just repelled the route together. I've had multiple friends on Yosar. They're a group of really dedicated and from the people that I know, super talented climbers. They're on Yosar for a reason. They're really good at covering stone really quickly and getting to people that need help. And that's exactly what they did on the day that I needed it. Tim credits his helmet, his rope, the quick actions and cool head of his climbing partner, Trevor, and Yosar with saving his life. The resulting injuries were a nose fracture that required some stitches and, of course, a concussion. The recovery took a while. I definitely had some PTS. My brain was just in kind of a stressed out state. I don't know really how else to characterize it. Everyday things in life that are really trivial would get me worked up. I don't think I slept for more than six hours for like three months. It just took a while to feel balanced again. Climbing has been a work in progress. I definitely deal with some irrational fear type stuff more than I did before. I'll check my knot like five times after I've already left the ground, like just stuff that makes no sense. I guess I've just tried to do my best to just climb and self-talk my way through situations when I feel them come up. I've always known that climbing is super dangerous. I've had four friends die in the mountains this year. Another one had a really tough accident that they're still recovering from. I'm definitely very lucid about how dangerous the mountains are. Tim admits that the casual soloing adventures of his youth just don't appeal to him now, whether it was his accident, his age, or both, but he still climbs regularly. I feel really grateful and lucky in some respects. It's changed my sort of view around a lot of things in ways. But at the same time, like I'm still climbing and I'm still like going out and like taking certain risks and doing that. First of all, thank you, Trevor, my partner. There was a reason I was climbing with him that day. He totally kept it together and, and helped me when I needed it most. And, and yeah, and thanks to everyone involved. And yeah, thank you, Yosar. My doctors, my family, can't be grateful enough for everyone. Definitely appreciative, at least a renewed sense of appreciation around A, how special all of these experiences in life are, and B, like how quickly like things can go really wrong really quick. In the next episode of Search and Rescue Stories. One of my very first calls, it was a very traumatizing scene. A couple in their 50s had been on a snowmobile tour and he was driving and she was riding on the same snowmobile behind him. They had some kind of mishap and they hit a tree very hard uh, with their two teenage daughters on a snowmobile behind them and, and watching the whole thing. And when I arrived, 
The man was deceased. He was lying in the middle of the trail with a, a blanket over his head. The woman was very, very badly injured. It was it was a it was a quite a terrible scene. This episode of Out Alive was produced and written by me, Louisa Albanese, along with Corey Buhay and Zoe Gates. Thanks to Tim Watts for sharing your story with us. And thanks to Yosar for answering the call. If you have a survival story you want to share, you can email me at outalive at outsideinc.com. Out Alive is made possible by the members of Outside Plus. <laughs>